We're back on the TV podcast talking about episodes of Doctor Who. And as we record this, August 30th, it is the uh, the, time to talk about the second episode of this season of Doctor Who, Into the Dalek, written by Phil Ford and Stephen Moffat. And uh, joining me all the way from where the doctor left Clara waiting for coffee, Glasgow, it's James Thompson. Hi, James. Hi, Jason. Did you you see Clara walking around? Did she... No, I, I was quite disappointed. I, I think I said to you before that um, I was looking at the scene at the end of the last episode where um, Clara was dropped off in Glasgow, and it wasn't Glasgow. Oh, it's so, so disappointing. You have, I know. You have actual police boxes there. We, we do. I mean, you don't need to, to bring props or anything. The so. TARDIS would feel right at home in Glasgow if it went there, for real. Yes, I suspect that Peter Capaldi couldn't step out in the streets of Glasgow now without being mobbed, however. Yeah, this is probably true. Well, so into the Dalek. Um, I I was... My, my initial reaction was um, in being impressed at how hard they try to make interesting episodes involving the Daleks. Because yes. this is unlike any Dalek episode we've we've seen before, and I could just feel them saying, "What could we do that we haven't done before? Could we do anything to make these guys more interesting?" Because they're a classic, but they're also kind of one note. And I thought that this was a, a really interesting attempt to do something that we haven't seen before. Yes, I, I liked how they got it out of the way early on that the concept was not exactly an original one. Sure. With it's, the Doctor saying, "Fantastic idea for a movie." Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and yes, I was trying to come up with a title for the for the episode, and I had "Honey, I Shrunk the Doctor." Um, <laughs> uh, but but yes, it, I mean it was it was like somebody was sitting down and going, "Right, you know, what have we not done?" Um, and yeah, I I think it it worked well as so long as you didn't think about how original or not it was. Well, well sure, and and I, also the structure. Um as we got in, so so it's it's a it's a very interesting, fast paced episode. Um, even when the Doctor goes and and uh, well, when we see the Doctor before the credits, and then we see Clara, um, I thought that was all interesting and sort of fast moving. Even when there weren't explosions, and snappy dialogue, and things like that. And I thought I, I thought that was a very interesting part. And then there's the part on the ship where they get shrunk. And then toward the end, it it very much reminded me of. Um, of the the first season episode uh, Dalek by Rob Shearman, where it yeah. we, we we've circled around to you would make a good Dalek, and I, you know do, what 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 is the Doctor's connection to the Daleks, and are they more alike or not alike, and and so it was you know so there are elements we've seen before in Doctor Who, there are all these kind of classic sci-fi movie elements. Um, it was definitely not something we, you know, we hadn't, I, we hadn't seen a Dalek episode of Doctor Who quite like this, but it definitely has lots of connections to other other stuff thrown in a blender and yeah. Around. I mean, the the I watched uh, last night. I watched Dalek again because I'd seen that there was going to be similarities mm-hmm. to it, and it has the line like in Dalek, the the Dalek says, "You would make a good Dalek." And then in this one, the Dalek says, you are a good Dalek. So. <laughs> yeah, I know. I don't even know what to think about that. That is such a, what a, what a burn, what a mean thing to say to, a, to the Doctor. It's like the, the Daleks tell each other these things so that the, they can just have a go at the Doctor <laughs> later on. That's right. Be sure when you see the Doctor. Here's what he looks like. Here are all of his identities. When you yeah, see I, him, this is the best thing to say to him when he gets in a, in a, a compromising position. Say this. He hates that. 
Yes. I couldn't actually remember whether the Daleks know who the Doctor is, and I think they don't at this point, because they had their right. memories erased. Right, and he doesn't... He do, uh, Rusty, <laughs> the, yes. our, our friend the Dalek, doesn't um, make any reference to the Doctor. Other, He calls him a Doctor because he assumes he's a Doctor that they've sent for to... to to look at him and fix him it's a very it's very unclear at that point i assumed going in that fixing why would you want to fix a dalek so broken it's good and everybody else sort of assumes like oh this is a good dalek we need to fix him to keep him alive to talk to him and for me it was always sort of obvious that wait if you fix a good dalek you he will then be evil that's come on that is very clear to me but it seemed like a good plan to them yeah um, I did wonder with the name of Rusty whether that was a Russell T. Davis yep. reference. I do. Wa- I do wonder that too. That was really yeah. funny. Um, um, and it's those gold Daleks again. It seems like uh, this is the uh, official. Like we're not going to even remember that those the colored Daleks, the color yeah. Daleks are around. They're gone. Forget it. Well, I think the universe has been destroyed and recreated several times. This since is true. Then, so they probably just went away. Sure, it's um, all for the best. Let's see. Uh, another thing that is uh, a variation we haven't seen before is when um, the Doctor saves Journey Blue. The first thing she says when they um, emerge from the TARDIS is, it's smaller on the outside. Yes. And he says, that's more impressive when you do it the other way around. <laughs> I, that was good. Again, I think they must have a list of things mm-hmm. that they've done with people going in and out of the TARDIS and they need all the variants and yes, that seemed to be a... <laughs> There's um, a database that they keep yes. <laughs> for, for all of these things. Um, um, but yes, I was thinking we had there was a Tom Baker era episode where wasn't were they not miniaturized and sent into the Doctor's brain. Ah, yeah, that sounds familiar. Um so I was vaguely remembering that, but then I was remembering the "Let's Kill Hitler." Right, they were also they were also small, and there were also antibodies, right? And there were antibodies in that one as well. So once you start picking it apart, all the pieces aren't particularly original, but I think it goes together very well. Um, and I did think the the scene, the going out to the um, back to the school, um, that scene with the you know him messing up his uh, chance of a date with Clara. Oh, yeah. And then the cutting backwards and forwards in time a bit, that reminded me of coupling. Yes, it did. Me too. Me too. And and But I liked it because, I mean, I, it, it felt in, in an episode like this that is a Doctor Who Dalek episode. So it's a 50-year-old TV show with a 50-year-old monster. Yeah. It... it it felt I really enjoyed that scene because it felt like these are modern characters set in the present day, and the storytelling technique here is very modern it's 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 cutting between two different segments of time without any hand holding you're supposed exactly. to figure it out yeah. and it's fine because we do figure it out and it, it's it's and it, and it's a delightful juxtaposition of him. Beating, you know, hitting his head against the desk. Literally a head desk happening yes. here. Um, and and his stupid things that he was saying. It does feel very much like a coupling thing where, you know, Steve would say something that was... And then later would be saying, well, I just, you know, I got it slightly wrong. I meant to say yes, and I said no. Um, and that's what happens. That's what happens with, with Danny Pink. 
but I liked I like that that in an episode that's so traditional in so many ways in terms of what this is a Doctor Who Dalek episode that you know it, that felt fresh and modern in a way that uh, that that was surprising and delightful I thought. Before we go on to the actual uh, Dalek bit of the episode, I thought his introduction was interesting because he's clearly got a traumatic past, mm-hmm. which is. Um, and he seems – it looks like they're setting him up to be Clara's boyfriend. Sure. Uh, in a sort of Mickey Rory type of fashion. Yeah, yeah there's a, um, a meet cute basically here that we yeah. see. Very coupling, very very much that romantic comedy kind of feeling. Except, But we do get – we when we first are introduced, he's, he's telling the kids to fall in line like he's a drill sergeant. And then the, all the kids are asking him if he killed anybody. And he actually gets quite upset and he, he, and he cries about it. And then he's upset uh, again when Clara jokes about it um, accidentally. So clearly he's had a um, – you know whether he's suffering from pro- post-traumatic stress or – I mean something terrible has happened in his well, past well, that he's the, trying to live the, down. The kids, they say, um, have you ever killed anyone who wasn't a soldier? Right. And that's the line where, where he cries. Right. But then later on when he's being introduced to Clara, the the headmaster, I'm assuming, says, oh, he's a bit of a lady killer, but he always oh. denies it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was painful. It's like, uh, and <laughs> So, you know, I'm assuming it's not that obvious, but right. there's clearly something that's going to be – that's going to – um, be relevant later, right? And I think there was comments. Uh, I think Stephen Moffat was saying that he's the secret weapon. This actor is the secret hmm. weapon for the series. Um, well, I like having um, this. I like having a home dynamic for Clara because she was always the rootless. She had the the kids that she was ba- that she was the nanny mm. for, but she's she doesn't have the domestic kind of background and connection that we've seen with all the other companions, where they've got something rooting them to the. I mean, with Amy, it was sort of the empty house for a while, but um, they they had some connection to the world where Clara always felt just rootless, like her life was really just about traveling with the doctor. And by introducing Danny here, you've got you've really got something to a character for you to connect to who's going uh, at least, you know, in this episode, he's he's just a regular person on Earth in the present day. And he's not, you know, he he, like like Mickey or Jackie or um, or Wilf with Donna or you know you've got uh, you've got uh, parents and and friends and loved ones and coworkers I think that's good to have a a companion who's got that in modern doctor who to have that that root something to root them to the present I think that's it's also part of the turning Clara back into a normal human being <laughs> right instead of a mystery yeah so you know she's it felt a bit like from the last episode that she is now just a regular companion as opposed to, you know, this sort of big enigma right. and the, the the focus. And it felt like a reset. It's really nice. I, I, I enjoy that Clara is now a character and not a plot, uh, a mystery to be solved and that she's come through her story arc and gained a lot of knowledge and now she has in many ways the upper hand on the doctor and we saw it again we saw it last week we saw it again this week where you know he he's relying on her because she's been doing this longer than him in one way and she i love the line um where, where uh, she's not the companion what's the right word uh, she's I'm, I'm his carer which i i took as the implication like he needs to be supervised and then he says yes she cares when i don't which was such a, a great well, it explanation. Was, she cares so i don't have so to. i don't have to yes <laughs> which I, I really liked and i think that huh. uh there's a lot to be that we can discuss on the the doctor's sort of attitude and there's a lot of things in these episodes where he appears to the point of callousness mm-hmm. um 
but I actually really enjoyed that. Uh, um, well, I, I, and I, I think one of the things that makes the the portrayal of the Doctor in both of these episodes um, that, that works for me is while they 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 want to show him being callous because they want you to feel like it's the, like that Tom Baker line, you know, he he wants to be remote and alien, and you want to feel like he is an alien and not just a regular guy. Um, but one of the ways they do that is by having him also say bizarre things in less dangerous context to Clara. So he's always saying things about, you know, that you, you're, whatever he says, sort of blondish and, and tall and old or whatever. And she's like, yeah, I'm not yeah. old, I'm young. He said, well, you know, good attitude, right? So he, he's, um, in, even in her, his interactions with her, he's sort of like kooky or, or just clearly has no clue about, he has no context, he has no idea. And I, I like that because when he says weird things like that to her, that, I feel like that earns him credit so that when he says these kind of weird and off-putting and potentially awful things as part of the story, I sort of say, well, it's the doctor. He doesn't really, he, he says, I mean, he, it, it's like we're Clara. We're, we're kind of explaining him away and saying, well, he does that. He's like that. I, I was thinking that the character had moved somewhat more towards Sherlock in that he's, you know, the sort of mm. brilliant, uh, you know, mind, but just you know, says what he says, what he thinks, and then the the person that he's carrying along in his wake has to apologize for for him, which exactly. is definitely what the dynamic is in the in the, in the Cumberbatch uh, Sherlock, yes. right? And but, I mean, given that they're written by the same person, mm-hmm. it, it's not not surprising, um, not surprising. But yes, he's moved towards this kind of you know Sherlock House type of uh, figure, right? I do love the. Um, Another thing that felt like classic Doctor Who, and I know we've seen this uh, a little bit with uh, especially Christopher Eccleston and David Tennant, but it felt to me like a very classic thing for the Doctor to do is when he uh, goes to the ship um, and he's surrounded by the soldiers and he makes it very clear he doesn't like soldiers and, uh, you know, you don't, you don't like us. And he says, you're the ones with the guns you don't need to be liked. That it's, it's, yeah. it's, he's definitely got that kind of, I'm, I'm a little bit of an anarchist. I, I don't like authority. I don't like soldiers. I'm going to, you know, and, and I'm, I'm going to tell you that I don't like you. And that felt very, that, that, that is, that is a, a touchstone for me of sort of the doctor's attitude. So I love, yeah, yeah. I love that. He had the line about the crying is for civilians. That's how we communicate with you lot. Yes. Something like that. Yes. Which I liked. Yeah, that um, was great. But yes, I mean, it was... Um, I, one reason I was invited on the podcast was for my uh, Glasgow uh, viewpoint. Mm. And it, it's quite interesting to have him... Um, as a To have a Glaswegian doctor, basically... Uh, and I was I was looking up some of the background details on Capaldi because I've seen him in lots of things going back to Local Hero from 1983, right. um, and the thick of it, Malcolm Tucker is what I think he's most famous for. At Absolutely, the or was most famous for. <laughs> um, but because uh, he he was born in Glasgow and he went to the art school here and. What I didn't realize was that he was in a punk rock band with Craig Ferguson. Craig Ferguson, Ferguson yes. Um, and so I had not made that connection. And Craig Ferguson, I, I knew as a stand-up comedian at the time. Hmm. And he had, a, he had a, uh, an act, and his stage name was Bing Hitler. 
and uh, that he was apparently this was named by Capaldi, so he had come up with that idea. So wow. I didn't realise that there was that connection. But but yes, it, it, it's it's you know list, I don't sort of listen. I don't hear the the Glaswegian in the accent because it just sounds like normal talking. If you see mm-hmm. what I mean. Yeah. Um, but I'm wondering how that comes across to. To you, as a as a, a non-native. Well, I, on one level, I would say it's all accents. So um, it's all accents, and I I know that they're different. Although I would say his does not feel particularly strong to me. I think it's very, it's very, uh, it's very clear. I, I I you know I'm watching Outlander. The Scottish accents there are far more pronounced than Peter oh, Capaldi's yes. <laughs> Doctor Who, and I think that's purposefully trying to you know have him be. A, uh, it's just a, a light, a light touch of his accent instead of something particularly heavy because it's also a show that's sold worldwide and everybody exactly, is yeah. everybody is trying to speak. Although I, something I've noticed about Doctor Who, and I can't decide whether this is because I'm an American or if it's because this is Stephen Moffat's style, but the there is a lot of rapid fire dialogue in Doctor Who to the point where I find myself, even though I pride myself on understanding accents uh, fairly well uh there are a lot of lines of dialogue that i feel like i need to go back and listen again not because it's um heavily accented so much as that it's it happens so fast and it often happens while explosions are happening in the background <laughs> and I'm like what did they, it was probably a joke i missed that joke i need to i need to back it up but his accent seems um you can tell that it's different but it's not um it's not particularly noticeable I would say it's for for me because they're all accents, obviously, um, from my perspective. There was a, I think there was a Phil Ford was talking about writing the episode, and I think they were trying to work out the tone um, for the Doctor, and I think there was some line about uh, he'd been told to write him as a sort of mad Billy Connolly figure, hmm. um, which I don't really see in the way it comes across, but it was just an interesting. Well, maybe a little uh, a touchstone for him to just something to start with. I I, I met Phil Ford at Gallifrey One in Los Angeles in February, and he had just come from the set where they were shooting his episode, which is Into the Dalek. And he, and what he said was, I can't say anything about it, but I can tell you it's marvelous. And when I was there, there were these gigantic explosions. <laughs> and he was very impressed that he had made something that had led to there being gigantic explosions. But he was a very nice guy. He wrote The Waters of Mars, which is one of my favorites. So Yes, and I think he did a lot of the Sarah Jane adventures, mm-hmm. too. Yeah, yeah, I like I like him. He was a very nice guy, and uh, and uh, and Waters of Mars is a is a uh, that's a I, I I actually was watching toward the end of this, thinking, well, Phil Ford likes it a little bit dark. I mean, this is like Waters of Mars is a very dark episode, and this and this gets there at the at the end because it is about death and destruction. And for the the second half, I mean, we're really cutting back between the Daleks after they fix the good Dalek so that he's bad, and he calls all the other Daleks to come to the secret base. Uh, we just keep cutting back and forth between scenes of destruction, yes, <laughs> and the advancement of the plot because the scenes. Of Detroit, it's just the Daleks killing people because that's what they do. That's they, what they do. They yeah. did blow up a Dalek, which I, I like. One of the things that always bothers me about these Dalek fight scenes is that you get a hundred people with guns. They fire all their bullets at the Dalek. Daleks just ignore it and then kill all the people. And I always thought, surely this could be more interesting dramatically if the Daleks suffer some losses that they occasionally kill a Dalek. Um, and there was uh, a case where a Dalek blows up. Um, yes, I, 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 I like that. Watching 
Dalek, the episode, uh, again, I did notice in that that it was like one Dalek could basically take out the entire base of people. Yeah. There was no resistance whatsoever. Yeah. And yes. And they, I did and one. they only had the one Dalek, so so they couldn't show it. But I, I but even from, from that episode on, I thought you, you should ideally, like in the finale, the same thing happens in the parting of the ways. Uh, they, they shoot and shoot and shoot and shoot. And I think maybe one Dalek gets hit at one point. Um, to impair its vision. I'm not sure if it even blows up. I think maybe they just blind it. And that's just not... I don't know. I, 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 they're less interesting when they're completely invincible than when they're just very, very dangerous, I think. Maybe because these people were actually actively fighting a resistance against Daleks. They mm-hmm. had improved their weapons such that they could do some damage to them. That's good. That's good. I like that. That that's I like that this is they're like the alliance or something. You do get the sense that it's everybody has sort of banded together because they've realized they need to defeat the Daleks. And I like that it's completely undefined. It's like literally in space at some time there are Daleks and people are fighting them. And we're not gonna tell you, you know, it's not what century or what planets or whatever, because it yeah. doesn't matter. This the Daleks are bad, they're out there, people fight them, and then the doctor kind of bumps in and <laughs> and th- this is the story. Reminded me a little of Night of the Doctor too, in that there's the the you know the woman pilot alone. Her brother yes. her brother yeah. has died. She's alone, and the doctor kind of just swoops in and saves her. It reminded me of that too. Yeah. Um, so the, the, we the the line that I liked, or the the scene that I liked, um, was the the bit where the they've triggered the Dalek antibodies initially. And mm-hmm. the doctor says, "Swallow that. Trust me." Oh yeah, and, and throws him the thing, and he he's, and he swallows, it and he says, "What next?" And then he's killed, and they go, "I thought you were saving him." And he goes, hey, "He was dead already. I'm saving us." Yeah, and it it was just the kind of the very sort of matter of fact way um, of doing it. And that's the uh, show putting us on their side and away and removing us from the doctor, right? Where we we expect like they do that he's saving them because that's what the doctor does. And he's not. He's already written them off and very coldly is saying, I can use the death to give us information. And yeah. that's uh, very effective when we're talking about ways that they want to make him seem alien and they want to distance the audience from the doctor a little bit. That's a, an incredibly effective scene. But then it's followed up when they're, when they're down in the – when they jump into the big uh, tube that leads to the big pile of – the puddle of goo. Yeah. Of, um, he says – uh, this is the perfect place to be. Mortuaries and larders—they're never defended. Oh, I've lived a life. <laughs> yes, <laughs> like this is. These are the things I know, and that—and then you're you're sort of back on his side now. That's like I, I know these terrible things because I have to. Yeah, I mean, he's already been. Well, I don't know if he'd been slapped at that point, but it, it, it's. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so we then we we go down into the the goo. Like, was there any precedent for that? For Daleks feeding off humans before, I don't know. I mean, they've got to eat something, uh, but I hadn't. I hadn't. I, I just. It's a feeding tube. I think maybe he says something that seemed to be like a, a hand wave. Like you know, I assumed it was if they're out and about and they need to. You know, they 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 do need to be fed. So maybe they have the ability to scavenge if they need to. But I don't even know how they would. Do they use the little? Do they use their little sucker to? I don't yeah. know. Or is there like I, I, underneath the by the wheels? Is there something down there that they can just sort of suck up protein? Well, it, it just reminded me of the sort of the Back to the Future Mister Fusion. Mm. You know, they they can just run off anything. Throw some organic matter in there, and then the Dalek will will stay. 
yeah, stay healthy. Um, so yeah, I mean, it was what um, we had the then that they have the realization that what they need to do is to uh, that the Dalek. They, they have the moment where you know the Doctor decides that the Daleks are completely evil and mm-hmm. you know that there's no saving. They're irredeemable. Yes, and then Clara um, slaps him first, and yes. then uh, reminds him that what they have in fact proved is that it is possible to have a good Dalek. Yeah, and the um, way she does that is, you know, what what did we learn? We learned something. What did we learn? And she's the school teacher, and he says, "Thank you, yeah. you're a good teacher, right?" That that, he, and he puts it he puts it together, and I like that he doesn't really declare it. We we all get the chance to figure it out, and then he acts on it, which yeah. which I like. That we did learn something that this this Dalek was good, and I was half expecting him to come up with some sort of radiation beam that mimicked that radiation <laughs> that's the you know sort of good dalek beam that turns them once exposed to it for long enough they turn good that would seem to be like an achilles heel of the daleks that they've got this uh this this maybe they're shielded on the outside and it's only when they're being irradiated from right next to their brains that they yeah that they get it so then we have the the other uh, soldier gives her life to uh, get them back up to the top. Ah, uh, so. yes, and we get another visit from Missy in heaven. Yes, and I'm really not sure what to make of that. Mm. Um, and there was also the line later in the episode where um, the Dalek says, Daleks do not have souls. Right. And I was like, so does that mean that that's why the Dalek does not appear in heaven as well? Because, huh. Um, Interesting. Yeah, that's. I don't know what to make. I mean, it is just like with the eye patch lady appearing. I don't really know what to make of 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 Missy, other than she looks like a maniac, and uh, she's having tea now. So this is a heaven has a has a garden uh, where the, where the the half faced man can appear, and it's got a little tea room where where soldiers can go after they die to have some tea with a crazy lady. And presumably they all have tea together. And oh yes, yeah. little heaven tea party. Um, yes, I mean, I did read all the various theories on who she might be and the people saying, oh, the garden has got this round bit in the middle of it, so that's clearly a TARDIS console, therefore yeah. she must be whatever. The Master, um, the Rani, the Chancellor Flavia. Paul McGann, yes. Um, sure, whatever. <laughs> um, I mean, the, the the sort of, the Missy, so Missy's a shortening of Mistress, mistress. so that could be... Uh, mistress to master, yeah. or it could be mistress as in how canine referred to Romana. Romana. Yeah. Although she didn't come across very Romana-like. Not at all. And, or it could and, be a new character. That's the thing the fans hate to hate to imagine, is that it could be somebody new. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was a, just a strange little... Uh, very strange. Uh, in, uh, moment. Uh, but then, yes... Uh, Clara zooms back up to the top and starts uh, rebooting bits of the Dalek's memory by hitting it. Um, I, I wasn't quite clear why the Dalek rebooted after she hit the big red button. I don't know. Maybe there's a, like a memory test that has to happen at some point <laughs> where they're like, whoa, lots of memories are happening here. And yeah, that was a... That was a although, 
again, it was a little bit silly, but then the show goes with it by saying, just go up there and figure it out. How do I do that? I don't know. Figure it out. And and then I'm going to do this thing over here. What are you going to do? I don't know. I'm going to figure it I, out. I did, like, I did like the way that he admitted that he had absolutely no, no idea what he was doing, but was just going with it. No. Um, and that, But it, what it leads to is this moment where the Dalek can remember everything that it remembered before. And now it's, it's sort of in touch with the Doctor and his mind. And the Doctor's theory here is that I'm going to show him all the wonders that I've seen. And that is going to convince the Dalek again that it needs to be good and it needs to be a force for good and not evil. And uh, that's kind of beautiful because the Dalek begins to see the majesty and it starts sounding. He's like, oh, creation. And it's so beautiful, the majesty of it. And then he sees all of the things that the doctor does to destroy Daleks and destroy everybody, you know, various other evil creatures and, uh, and all the death and destruction in the doctor's life and, and, and hate for the Daleks. And of course it just tips the Dalek back over into being evil, which is a nice, that was a nice twist. I honestly didn't know where they were going with that. And that's at the moment where, it felt the most like the like the Dalek episode by Rob Sherman that well, it's you know da doctor you you are you it's like that old supervillain thing right yeah we're not we're not that uh, different you and I yes I mean I think that I wouldn't have said that the Dalek went evil at the end I think the Dalek was pretty much back to the point where it was where they first met it that it wanted to destroy all the other Daleks well um, this seems to be the core of the point of this episode right which is which is what is a Dalek and what, what how, and how do you define good or evil because in the end what we discover about the Dalek is uh, the doctor seems to be trying to redeem it um, and make it not just a destructive force and what the Dalek is really saying is no Daleks are killers, we're weapons, we destroy things, and it's all just a matter of who we're destroying. Yeah. Which is um, which is interesting, because uh, you do get the sense at that point that the Doctor is really disappointed, and what the Doctor's trying to do is not make the Dalek uh, a killer of other Daleks, but to make it legitimately a good Dalek, and the, Dal- the Dalek says, no, you, you're a good Dalek, I am not a good Dalek. Yeah, um, and Again, going back to the the, the Dalek episode, um, at the end of that, the Dalek can't cope with the fact that it has um, that it's part human, and it, and it it kills itself. Right. And it, with this one, the the Dalek is basically the Doctor says, "Ah, you have unfinished business," and they they leave it at that. But right. It, it was, it's clear it's going. I mean, it, it's not going to be able to kill all the Daleks. It's presumably going to go kill some Daleks and then be blown up, and then that'll be that. Yeah. But, but uh, I mean, it, it, it could, of course, turn up at some other hmm. point in the future. This is true. Um, um, it's Rusty, it's you. You're back. Yes. Well, I like that the, the, because Rusty had a, a bunch of sort of um, sensors and pipes and things over him, you could tell which one was Rusty. Yes. Um, and I'm sure that was a deliberate. Mm-hmm. Um, that was but, nice. But yes. And then we have the scene where uh, Journey runs up to the the TARDIS at the end and she was like take me with you and again paralleling back to Dalek where at the end of that you have um, Adam Adam uh, who does get to go on the TARDIS um, but He's, the doctor basically says to Journey, you know, well, you seem like a nice person, but unfortunately you're a soldier. And uh, so she doesn't get to go. And I think it was interesting that Journey doesn't get to go on a journey. Mm. Journey Blue doesn't get to go on a journey, but Clara doesn't hold it against Danny Pink 
that he's a soldier in the in the last scene, which is you know very clearly we're supposed to be thinking about the doctor's relationship with soldiers and Clara's relationship with soldiers and blue and pink and all of that. Yeah, it was. Uh, um, it sounds like it's turning into Reservoir Dogs. That yeah, we have Mr. All these different- Mr. Pink. Um, I, although I, I I liked. The scene, the scene where the doctor says goodbye, where he doesn't say goodbye, where he basically says, well, till next time, to the Daleks, basically. Like, yes. I'm going to see you again, and until then, I'm just out of here. And Clara's left again, apologizing for him a little bit. And, yeah. uh, and uh, I, I like that, that the doctor, uh, he, he always says he's rubbish at goodbyes, right? So here he is. He's very bad at it. <laughs> he just doesn't even bother. He lets Clara clean up the, clean up the mess again. Although it's very but, nice of them them to let him leave in the TARDIS. I wonder, we don't see that scene of how does he talk them into letting him go in his little blue box because they seem awfully trusting of him to let him do that and pick her up. But he he must have said, I, I need my assistant. It's very important if you want to do this. And then they let him go pick Clara up. Yeah. And I the the other thing that was sort of not explained was how they got back out of the Dalek. Because it, it, it seemed like... Dalek was blowing a hole in the, the other Daleks were blowing a hole in the door. Then our uh, semi-good Dalek comes in and kills them all. And then the other people step out from the door. And then the Doctor and Clara are, are pretty much standing there. Yeah, uh, yeah. They they got out in an uninteresting scene where they go out the waste receptacle or something and press their buttons. And that was also funny that we've got the whole put put this on and press the button when you want to get big again. And that's never done anything with that. It's pointless. Yeah, it, it felt to me like there, there was going to be a scene where they, you have know, to, they have to press the button, right? They have to get out the tear duct and yeah. do whatever. Yeah. And it didn't um, happen. That was just, it didn't seem like it was even necessary since, since you weren't going to use that. I'm not sure why that even needed to be there. Um, mm. I, I, the one scene that that we haven't mentioned that I that we need to talk about is that the, the doctor uh, early in the episode asks Clara if he's a good man and says, you know, you're my pal. I need you to, and it very makes it clear I'm relying on you in in, in, in this relationship that we've seen now for two weeks where he he uh, he needs her for things because he doesn't trust himself. And then at the end, she tells him. I don't know if you're a good man, but I think you try to be, and I think that that's all that matters. And I think that's really interesting because that is that is how she's uh, defining him and judging him versus something like the Dalek, which is just an engine yeah. of destruction. And the, the Doctor may destroy things, but he's trying to be good when he does it. He has good intentions. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we're, we're setting it up in the future, obviously, with the, if the Doctor has this distrust of soldiers, and I imagine that Danny Pink is going to recover. Right. Uh, there's, there's potential for conflict mm-hmm. yeah, so further down the line. Which could be very interesting, that if Clara's got a friend who's a soldier and the Doctor has said that he doesn't like soldiers, what does that mean? Yeah. That's, that is very, that's very interesting. We've got, well, we've got 10 more weeks of Doctor Who coming yes. up which is very exciting and uh, then christmas as well and then and then christmas a few weeks after that hmm. what so overall what did you what did you think of this of, of into um, the dalek i i enjoyed it i think it was one of those ones that once you start to pick at it you begin to think well you know why did this happen why did this happen the one thing that i noticed which which bothered me which is completely trivial is once they fall in the goo they come out of the goo and that they're obviously drenched in it and about a minute later her hair's perfect again (laughs) you know his suit is perfect again and 
Well, you, uh, missed, you, know, that, you, you missed the uh, scene where the sonic screwdriver uh, cleaned everybody up. Well, I did think they went through the pipes and he said, oh, this is hot or something like mm. that. And I thought, oh, well, you know, maybe that, you know, dried everything off. And, um, yeah. But I, 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 I thought it was good. I uh, certainly... I mean, I enjoyed the the first episode, I think, slightly more. Um, but I think that was mainly because it was the shock of the new of getting mm-hmm. the new Doctor, and and in this it was it was very much like right, this is the character of the Doctor, this is how it's going to go on, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, you got the whole episode of him being the Doctor, which I thought was 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 very good, um, and. Yeah, I mean, I think as a Dalek episode, it was it was pretty good. Uh... Yeah, I I um I agree. I really loved uh, both Capaldi and Coleman in this. I thought that their their uh, interaction, Capaldi initially with the uh, with the soldiers and Coleman with with Danny Pink, and uh, then when they're together and they're they're talking, I thought the dialogue was sharp. I thought yep. when when they get to the capsule that shrinks you down and puts you in a Dalek like in Fantastic Voyage it hits a it hits a little bit of a speed bump because now you feel like well now we're in the uh, high concept plot portion of the of the episode and, and it's interesting because you get the very interesting conversations at the beginning you get the interesting questions and uh, about what what the nature of the Dalek is and what the nature of the Doctor is at the end and in the middle you have a bit of a runaround a, a sci-fi shrink ray and a runaround in some corridors and a few people who are essentially red shirts die and uh, and that and that's why it feels a little bit strange to me in that I, I wouldn't say it's a, a, a fantastic, perfect episode because in the middle it got a little generic, not boring. It was never boring. It was just a little uh, familiar and, and Dalek shoot soldiers. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I think the Dalek shooting the soldiers was well done and I liked that they were intercutting it with the plot, but that, that was sort that the middle was sort of silly. Um, but I think this is one of the best Dalek episodes the new series has done because it was different and because uh, it was – I mean, the, and the more you're like that original Dalek episode, the better mm, because that yes. was a very good episode. And so I liked I liked it um, and I liked uh, pieces of it more than – some pieces more than others and, and some of it was silly. And you're absolutely right. You could pick some of it apart because ultimately it is a an episode about people being shrunk and injected into a Dalek and running around on the inside. I did wonder because the episode was credited to Phil Ford and Stephen Moffat. Yeah, I, th- I can imagine Stephen Moffat said, "Right, you get to write a Dalek episode, but you know it's going to involve a shrink ray." And you yeah, know, it's- I, I, I'm wondering. Uh, I've wondered this all along because the story is that Russell Davis re- rewrote every episode uh, mm. other than Stephen Moffat's of his run, and until the specials was never uh, credited as a co-author. Um, and then Stephen Moffat, my impression has been that he's done less of that, but here we see that joint writing credit again, and it makes me wonder, is this an example where they collaborated more? Is this uh, a rare instance where Stephen Moffat felt he needed to do a rewrite because of some reason, because he didn't like the script, because Peter Capaldi you know, was a new doctor and he needed to define things better, or is this just a new sort of policy that that uh, we're going to be seeing more accurate credits for the writers instead of just sort of letting the showrunner secretly rewrite it without credit. I don't know. 
Well, I'd be interested to know, because like saying with that scene with um, Clara and Danny at the beginning, where it was the sort of intercut timeline stuff. Oh, yeah, the, that cup, just, the coupling that just screamed that, Stephen Moffat. Yeah, and I, I just want to know if that was Stephen Moffat, right. or if it was just, just you know, um, because it, that, that would imply at least, you know, he had some hand in that scene rather than just, you know, giving an overall... You know, this is the high concept. I mean, the right, the, the dialogue definitely felt like Stephen Moffat, and that's that's why I wonder. It first off, I don't know if it's true that he kept a light touch on the scripts the previous years or not. I don't. I honestly don't know. I've heard that said that he uh, was less of a rewriter than than Russell T. Davis was, but. Um, I don't know that to be a fact. And then, uh, so I look at something like this, and in the Russell T. Davis era, I would just assume that the dialogue got a once-over by the showrunner because he's really great with that kind of dialogue, and, and that happened. Uh, but, you know, we've, we've never seen him credited as a, as a co-writer. So, yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting question about um, how did this come to be uh, that, it's a, that it's credited to both of them. But... Um, I don't know. It was it was a lot of fun in a lot of different ways, and I was interested the entire time too. It moved. I felt the pacing was pretty good. I I, I was watching very engaged the whole time, and yes, upon reflection, some of it kind of falls apart. But that's okay because in the moment, I really enjoyed it and went with the silliness. You just go with the fact that they're shrinking them down. I mean, you just have to go with it. There's a there's a yeah. copy there's a copy machine that will go back and forth over a capsule until you're tiny and. Okay, I give up. But you know, the the doctor sort of walks in and goes, "Oh, you have one of those." Yeah. So you know, it, it's clearly a, a common thing. And, and he guesses. He says, "You're going to shrink people down and have them work on the inside." Yep, that's it. All right, that would make a great movie. Fantastic yeah. movie. Yes. Um, and, so, and then we have our uh, the next time trailer. Oh yes. And I believe this is a, a Mark Gatiss script. I think. Yes. This is uh, this is uh, and and the people who don't watch the next time trailer should should run and hide now. Uh, <laughs> but it's it's all we're really seeing is there are very quick cuts of people wearing uh, Robin Hood kind of garb and uh, suggestions that Robin Hood is involved and that Clara is very excited to meet Robin Hood and that the Doctor I think doesn't believe that there's a Robin Hood and then a you know an arrow hits the TARDIS. So it's it's a it's a uh, a very different kind of tone. This is the yes, sun, it, sunny outside, people wearing brightly colored things, arrows flying. Kind cheesy of. grins. Exactly. And, uh, Errol Flynn style mm-hmm. Robin Hood heroes, yes. Yeah. Um, and a menacing knight in armor. Indeed. So uh, so that's next. I mean, one of the great things about Doctor Who, right, is that uh, week to week, you you never know what you're going to get. And you could get something very different from the week before. But, I mean, so far, I think we're two for two in terms of good episodes. Mm-hmm. And I don't think we've had that for a while. Yeah, I would say neither of these has, neither of these has been perfect. Um, but, you know, that's a hard, that's a hard uh, bar to cross. Uh, but I've enjoyed both of them. And you're right, the last couple of years, um, I've been, you know, hanging on to the one or two that I thought were really good amidst mm-hmm. a lot of sort of mediocre to poor and this season has started strongly. I agree with you. I think it has. Yeah, and I think, I mean, Peter Capaldi, I think, is a big part of that because the. Oh. I think he could say pretty much anything. He elevates every single thing he's in. And actually, I think Jenna Coleman does, too. I think they're both doing fantastic work. I didn't feel like they needed to save this episode by a long shot. But boy, when, they were, when he's on screen, I, you can't take your eyes off of him. 
Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I was watching a sort of supercut of Malcolm Tucker things <laughs> just before, and just to see what the tone was like between him and the Doctor, and it's not as far away as I thought it would right. be. Um, and well, people forget that Malcolm Tucker, um, while foul-mouthed, obviously is. Um, that he he has a bit of a sense of humor. He turns on a dime, but but he he isn't a one note character. He yeah. he he is bemused and amused, and I mean he is he goes through many different phases, and then you just also he's a coil uh, coiled spring ready to uh, explode and and yell at you. <laughs> <laughs> but but yes, I, I think that. But I also think the quality of the dialogue has itself improved. Oh. It's so much. Both of these episodes, the dialogue is so good, so much and I, better. I, and I don't know what happened. You know, whether it was the presence of Peter Capaldi, he was sort of he's now writing up to him, <laughs> or or something like that. Because the dialogue has that sort of. Uh, you know, I, I I don't want to reference the West Wing, but you know, it, it's that kind of. Oh yeah, it's snap. It's funny, snappy, snappy. smart. Do you well, have to keep up? This is this is one of my questions about the writing credit. Is is did Stephen Moffat decide that he wants he despite his sort of hands off policy that he he wants more consistent tone and is going to do rewrite a every line to do a rewrite says. of yeah. every script like Russell Davis did in order to get it there because Moffat does that does dialogue quite well uh, yeah. himself and um and you can feel it in both of these episodes. Mm, yeah. yeah. Well, much more to look forward to. Yeah, just sort of pleasantly surprised and and look forward to the next ones because yeah. certainly the the word on the street is that the episodes are are of a, a similar quality. Great. Um so yeah, I think we have a, a a good a good set to look forward to. Is that the word on the street in an actual street in Glasgow or is that more like the internet? <laughs> well, it can be both. Okay. Look forward to more um, uh, Scottish references in, mm. in the weeks to come. Well, that's good. Well, I, I'm 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 glad you are you are in all of my time on the incomparable the first guest that I have had from outside of North America. I am I am honoured. Well, this is indeed the first podcast I have ever been on. Well, I am so. honoured. I am honoured as well. Then it had to uh, happen. Indeed. Well, thank you so much for being here and talking about Doctor Who. You are not only qualified because you were in Scotland, but qualified because you're one of the biggest Doctor Who fans I know. So I really <laughs> appreciate you coming on to talk about Into the Dalek with me. Well, I'm sure people will point out the, the many mistakes I made along the way. That's, that's all part of the – nothing's perfect. Like I said, it's a high bar to cross, the perfection. We, we don't yes. strive for perfection here. Well, James Thompson, live from Glasgow, thank you so much for being here. Thank you very much. And that is the TV podcast for this week. We'll be back next week with that Robin Hood episode that we just talked about. Uh, Until then, thanks for listening. Goodbye.